Welcome to A Little Marketing with Nikki and Mark and Phil, a podcast where marketers discuss marketing and the small moves that make a big difference. A Little Marketing is a collaboration between Blue Whale Communications in Kelowna and 1020 Marketing in Montreal. Have a question or topic suggestion? Email Nikki at Nikki at BlueWhaleCommunications.ca. Look for A Little Marketing on YouTube and coming soon to your favorite podcasting platforms. Subscribe, like, and share. Hi, Mark. Hey, Nikki. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm well. Can't I complain. I feel like we, we haven't done this in a bit, even though we've been doing it pretty regularly. Yeah, I think we just missed one week of recording, but, yeah. but you're right. It feels like it's been a while. It has. Yeah, it has. And today we're here for a very special reason. Super special, exciting reason. You want to tee it up? Well, so we have officially gone through and published, posted 52 episodes. So if we're looking at a calendar, this is our first episode of season two, episode 53. Woohoo! Love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations to you for sticking with it and yeah, for making it so much you. fun. Thank you. It has been a lot of fun. So we have something a little bit different and special planned for today. Yeah, well, I think... Like we both just said, it's been so fun. And I think we're going to take today to look back on the year and look at our favorite top three or four episodes each. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so I kind of went through it and thought, okay, what was what was fun? What was like, you know, we've had a lot of uh, friends on the show. So I picked one of those as well. And, and just like some of the fascinating, important things that we've learned, that's how I sort of went through the last 52 episodes to pick three or four that were really stand out to me. Yeah, I did the same. There was a few that came to mind instantly when I think about the last year. And then there were a couple that I thought were just important to reiterate the message that came up in them. So went with yeah. those, but it was tough. Like I thought I knew exactly what ones I was going to pick. And then when yeah. I pulled up the list and I started scrolling through, I was like, that's a great episode. That one was good. Oh, I love that one too. It was tough to yeah. narrow it down. Yeah, I almost called an audible. There was one that I actually felt bad for leaving out, but I'll we'll give it an honorable mention after. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Okay, great. So why don't you kick us off? Sure. Okay. So the first one is probably not a surprise to anyone that I picked this one, but it was episode 38, where we talked about batching and scheduling content, which is, I live by this. It's how I'm able to get, to get my work done, my work. And it's right. what I, how I teach others to get their work done as far as their marketing done, I should say. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, that was an episode that we did in person here in Montreal. Was it not? Yeah, it might have been. I don't remember. <laughs> now I feel compelled to look at our YouTube channel to make sure that I am not misleading people. This was episode It was 38. 38. I think yeah. repurposing content we did together in Montreal. Yeah. So 38, 38. Oh, no, this was a Zoom. This was before you came in. It was in, right before. Yeah, it was right before. That's right. Yeah. But we did have a... We did have a uh, sort of a, a, a companion piece to episode 38, which was kind of episode 43, how to repurpose your content mm -hmm. to save time. Yeah. Well, they and they go together, right? Part of that, um, like 
well, okay, this kind of answers the question that's in the clip that we want to highlight. But you had asked yeah. me as we were recording episode 38, how to batch and schedule, how do you know what to say every month? So we'll highlight that clip here in a second, but part of that is just repurposing your, your highlight reel. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I like it. And, and, you know, what, what was it that particularly resonated with you about this episode beyond the fact that it was sort of really, you know, comes from a place of pure belief and passion for you? Well, I think that's, that's really it, right? Like it's, it's not specific to in any industry. It's not specific to any business or business owner. If, if you're a business owner, we're all so busy, right? Regardless yeah. of what our business is and marketing often falls to the bottom of the list. And the best way to not let that happen is to carve out an afternoon batch and schedule your content. And then you're always marketing yourself. You're promoting yourself. It helps you keep leads in the pipeline. A lot of people don't, you know, create content to market their business when they're busy, but when right. you lose, you know, a couple clients or customers at once, you want to have that pipeline full. And again, if you're busy, the best way to make sure that's happening is to carve out a little bit of time and a batch and schedule. And I think that's the thing that I've really relate, not relate to, but, um, like it's just so important for everybody across the board, regardless of, like I said, industry or, or business. Amazing. Amazing. So why don't we watch the clip and, uh, and then we can talk about episode, our second favorite. Amazing. Okay. Here we go. Okay. So walk me through the process of figuring out what you're going to write about all at once for a client. Totally. So I like to work in themes each month. So what is the focus? Sometimes there's an event happening. The client might have a sale going on. Um, maybe there's a certain service they're trying to promote more of. And we use that as the basis. I call it the moneymaker, like what's going to generate, generate your revenue this month. So then the first step is to write the long form content, which could be your blog, your newsletter, whatever it is that in or both. Yeah. Or both. Um, that, you know, highlights that service, but in a way that's not selling the service, it's content marketing, right? It's not advertising. So you're giving people educational information, some tips that the, your ideal client is going to find useful. So for example, if you're a skincare clinic and you do facials, you might write a blog about sunscreen and sun protection as we're heading into the summer. Right. Right. And then your CTA is, you know, to give your skin a boost, come book this facial with us. So that's step one is your long form content. And then you look at your social content and now you're planning out your calendar. I like to use four posts ish a month that drive traffic directly to that long form content, the blog on the website. Um, it's purely educational. It's purely helpful to your audience. And then fill in the rest kind of based off that theme. So now next on the list is one of your choices. So why don't you tell us about what you picked and why? Yeah, so this one was actually an easy one for me because we had started off by going four episodes and having this back and forth and kind of finding our rhythm and, you know, going along with what we were doing. And we were always sort of planning to have guests on. So but we hadn't really said when or how we were going to do it. 
And then we just said, we just kind of agreed that it was time. And that was in episode five, when we had Steph Wharton on for the first time to talk about podcasting 101. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was a such a great episode for two reasons. One was the topic itself was so relevant to us at, at the time. And we learned so much about just, you know, just about the mechanics and the importance and the potential of having a podcast. Mm -hmm. But then there was something that Steph said that resonated with me and kind of, to me, it, it's in my head still and it, and it keeps going, which is, you know, just do it. You know, it's the old marketing mantra. But the fact is like, yeah, it doesn't take much. You know, it takes a Zoom recording to actually have a podcast. Everything else is kind of, you know, you know, it's easy for me to say because you do it, but it's kind of simple to get there to from recording to publish. Mm -hmm. And the barrier to entry is so, so low. And the benefits can be so, you know, big. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just really enjoyed the the lesson of that and and from another perspective um it it also proved to us that yeah we can get these great guests have these great topics have guest experts on and like well i think it was the first step to us learning that there's no shortage of people out there to help us do what we want to do with the show yeah, that's an amazing point. We're a year in and we've had so many amazing guests who've all been a personal connection, personal or professional, but someone who we've known. Yeah, 100%. And and I think, you know, part of it is when we have done a one-on-one -on -one episode, just the two of us with no guest, it's mostly because of choice, because we have something we want to say or do, yeah. you know, or you know maybe we were just a little bit behind on our scheduling but for the most choice for the most point like if we want somebody on mm -hmm. we've had no trouble getting that person on no it's been really amazing and that kind of ties back into a, what i wanted to go back to about the the just do it um approach i think if you look back at our first couple episodes we've come a long way since then in you know our comfort level with having these conversations, our comfort level with the technology, being able to kind of just have these conversations and the way that it's executed, like you said, being published. And I feel like a lot of people, whether it's a podcast or otherwise, hold back from doing certain things and putting themselves out there because they're afraid that they're not going to be perfect at it the first time. Right. But I think that comment and our progress over the last year is um, like, it just kind of shows that when you do it, you will naturally get better and fall into a rhythm. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think the other the other point of this is, you know, one of the lessons we've learned over the over the course of the last year is, yeah, we might have these guest ex experts on to talk about a specific area or niche of marketing, right? Mm -hmm. But so many of the same principles apply. So when you talk about the just do it, get in there, do it, let it be raw, let it that doesn't just apply to a marketing tactic called podcasting, mm -hmm. you know, it could be, you know, diving your toe into blogging. It could be, you know, you know, not, not diving, dipping your toe into, into blogging. It could be dipping your toe into, you know, having a presence on social, even if it's limited, uh, trying TikTok, uh, improving your website, you know, trying forays into landing pages and paid search, whatever the tactic is, mm -hmm. there is an element of, you know, get out there, put it out there, 
learn from it, evolve it, and then and then make it better. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So in this clip, uh, Steph talks about um, you know why podcasting is an effective way to market your business, and again, just reiterates the just do it aspect of starting. Awesome. Here we go. All right. So over to Steph. <laughs> Steph, any any parting advice, any last words that you could uh, impart our uh, our growing audience with? <laughs> to just do it. <laughs> uh, no, joking aside, I know we went on like such a good tangent, but I just remember something I was going to mention a little bit earlier. Nick, you, you mentioned uh, diversifying and keeping things simple and sustainable and all that kind of stuff and being able to have your marketing do the heavy lifting for you, essentially. That's another reason why podcasting can be so impactful is the fact that it's evergreen content. Mm -hmm. We put so much pressure on social media specifically to create content that, yes, sometimes you can repurpose it in a way so that it sits there forever. But do people actually dig through your profile day in and day out trying to find that content, whether it's IGTV videos, uh, static posts, uh, highlights, whatever, they work 100%. But podcasting is something that you create today, the same way that you would, let's say, go live on Instagram. And instead of having five people tune into your live and nobody watching your replay, you have an infinite amount of people that are stumbling into your podcast day in and day out and tuning into that old content you created. Mm -hmm. And they're having those aha moments, those breakthroughs. So if you're looking for a more sustainable way of marketing your business and calling people into your community, I'd say podcasting is definitely it. Just take a plunge. It's fun, clearly, as all three of us agree. And it is easy. Some of the easiest content you can possibly create. Uh, okay, so now over to you to mm -hmm. talk about a uh, an episode that I know sort of had uh, a lot of resonance, not just with us, but with um, some of our listeners out there who gave us immediate feedback on it. So maybe you want to tee up episode 39. Absolutely. So Michelle Leach is someone who also came on several times, but in episode 39, she talked to us about the customer journey and really going, getting the customer into your world um, and then moving them through the funnel, which she pointed out is actually two different funnels, right? You have kind of the customer journey and then the, your sales funnel. And I think one of the important things that she talked about is that, you know, when we think of the traditional funnel, we think of this upside down triangle shape and yep. that's just A not funnel the, shaped the funnel, the funnel. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, clearly I need to drink my coffee faster, but so I think that's not how things operate today. Like there's so many touch points happening that it's not as easy to say they're going to read the blog and then subscribe to the newsletter and then, and then, and then, and it's, it's not as clear. Um, it's not as linear as it not as linear. was. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot more yeah. messy. It's messier and harder to track and, and all of that. But the really important point that she made was when you have a customer who's entered your world and then they somewhere exit that journey. So maybe they got your newsletter, but didn't click through to book the call. Yeah. How are you, what, what's your, what net do you have to catch them and get them back in and go through it again? Because just because they right. exited it out doesn't mean that they're, they're gone a lost forever. lead, yeah. right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that episode was uh, really interesting to me. It resonated. She was a fantastic guest, very well-spoken and very mm -hmm. able to properly you know, um, you know, relay her beliefs and her, and her thinking. 
And, you know, if you're out there and you haven't seen that episode, I think it would be really a good one to remind yourself of certain fundamentals of funnel building. Yeah, 100%. And it relates to the other episode that she came on to talk to us about, which was about landing pages. And I'll just quickly say that the point that really resonated with me for that episode was that you can have the same product, but you're selling it differently and having different landing pages for your different audiences. 100%. Which is all 100%. part of that customer journey and sales funnel. So so this is what her clip is related to? 100%. Yeah. So she's going to talk to us about the difference between the customer journey and the sales funnel and what to do if somebody exits before they've purchased or um, converted. All right. So over to Michelle. Here we go. I consider the sales funnel and the customer journey to be essentially the same thing, although you might use like sales funnels in your customer journey. Um, I like to separate them because often the sales funnel has people going in at the top and then it kind of filters them out and eventually they end up at the bottom with a sale. Um, in its most basic form, sales funnel looks like this and that's how it runs. Um, a customer journey takes things into account that the funnel kind of leaves out. For example, what happens when your lead does not keep going down the funnel and they exit somewhere? Do you forget about them? I hope not. It took a lot of money and time and energy to get that lead there in the first place. So you need to have a strategy to kind of either bring them back around to the top or find a different funnel to, to place them into. Okay, so this next one that you've, picked out was a really fun one for me. I thought the episode was a, the whole thing was really fun. I loved hearing what he had to say and his take on Instagram specifically, yep. but why don't you tee it up for us? Sure. Uh, so this one we're referring to is episode 27 uh, with uh, one of my oldest friends, Dr. Israel Putterman, who practices out of uh, DC. He's a, he's a periodontist and we had him on because um because he's done such a wonderful job sort of growing his Instagram following. And, and we wanted to talk to him about that, what he's doing and the impact it's had on his business. But that's actually not why I chose the episode. Mm -hmm. um, even though I believe that the quote that we're going to highlight is one of the uh, best quotes we have in this package today. But I'll get to that in a second. The real reason why I chose this episode is because often you and I have turned to our own networks to bring in guests. Mm -hmm. And some of those guests have been dear, very close friends of ours that over the years we've had, uh, you know, we, we've built solid business and personal relationships with. I mean, in Israel's case, you know, I, I use the podcast as an opportunity to kind of understand what he's doing more with his business because it's not something that we often talked about, mm -hmm. you know, because we're always in the day-to-day -day friend areas, right? Mm -hmm. But we've done that with other people too, like with Mark Edelstein and Neil Kaminsky and, 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 you know, I've had David McDonald on talking about market research. And, you know, these are some of the people that I've formed the closest relationships with over the years. And I know recently we've had your friend Madonna on, mm -hmm. who is your closest friend also. And that was fun for me to kind of watch that interaction. Yeah. And so, to your point too, she had actually reached out to me and said, I want to be on the podcast. And it right. took me about a half a second. And I was like, you could absolutely come on the podcast, but you're so in that friend mode all the time that 
you don't think, think about it. About it. Yeah, it's amazing to hear all of our friends like hear them talk about what they do every day. Yeah, and it's been so relevant, and the lessons that they've that they've given us have been so relevant and important. And uh, you know, I believe each one of them has sort of unlocked this, you know, small little tidbit of thinking that has you know really resonated. I think. Yeah. So yes, I thank Israel. But I also thank all these other people who have come on, who we've we've known. And I said to you before we started recording that I wanted to have an honorable mention. Mm -hmm. And I think it fits in here because I really struggled with not including this one in the show was when we had my old professor on from Concordia. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I thought that that was such a special thing that this man who really set me on my path to become a marketer gave us his time like 30 years later mm -hmm. to be on our show and that that I'm still connected to him in that way so yeah, yeah this this is a general acknowledgement and thank you uh, and a show, show of appreciation to all of our friends uh on both sides who mm -hmm. have joined and watching me and Israel talk <laughs> amazing so what uh, what clip are we going to pop over to? I think you missed my question. Oh, I I asked you what was so you said it was so much fun to to have that conversation with Israel. What was it? Oh, why was it fun for you? Sorry, I, there was a little glitch in the video, so that's what happened there. Um, well, for me, it was a lot of fun because we talked about the organic Instagram growth, and it was. I think the part that stood out for me is that when he said a lot of the marketing agencies he's talked to were saying, you know, professional images, really stock kind of photos. And instead he's just showing like kind of graphic photos of like the right. work that he does. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where you don't have to do anything special, like just show people what you do and be consistent with it and show your personality. And, and that's it. Like, it was really awesome to see that translate to the success that he's had. A hundred percent. So there were two real solid marketing tips that came out of that specific episode. And one was exactly what you're saying, that the dental world is so full of smiles and people walking on beaches and, you know, perfect teeth. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. he thought to himself, everybody does that. And it gets, you know, it, it gets zero sort of awareness because it doesn't stand out against any of it, right? Yeah. So what he does is he takes photos of the befores and afters and graphic video of the surgeries as they take place. And it stands out because he's talking about techniques. He's talking about his ability to take somebody from a certain problem to a solution. And those proof is in the pudding type approaches in marketing are always more effective than the generic you know, what everybody does stuff. Yeah. And there's also a little bit of that, like, it's like when people drive by an accident and you don't want to look, but you look, or mm -hmm. like, there's, right. like, there's Rubber something matters, about yeah. these kinds of images that grab your attention, right? Like you want it, you're kind of like, oh, but you have to look and read the caption. hundred percent. And then the second marketing tip that Israel gave us, which I thought was, one of the best quotes we've had uh, in the last year is something that everybody in any business can do, which was 
he he had a very strong statement about the importance of collecting reviews on your Google My Business listing. So without belaboring it too much, let's go and watch what Israel had to say. So could you just talk about the power of these reviews as you see it applied to your practice? In my view, um, Google reviews is by far and away the best marketing you can do. And I just, from so many patients, like I said, they Google you right away and uh, they see that there's, I think I'm up to, I don't know, 170 reviews, 4.9 stars. And it's actually a good thing in my view that it's not yeah. 5.0 stars. Yeah. Because um, it just shows I don't filter these. I don't, you can't take them down. And um, these are real patients who are posting and it, it's amazing. It's really, really good. And all it is, is just a service that emails patients, texts patients after they leave and says, hey, how was your experience? You know, what did you like? What did you not like? What can we improve on? Post a review and people do it. And um, yeah, it, it's really, I know that people look at it all the time and people come in every day saying that they saw the reviews. I think mo more people even say they saw the reviews than Instagram. So Nikki. Yeah. Episode 19, when we had Christy Carruthers on, Christy is a promotional item specialist. Mm -hmm. And I think something in that episode really, really spoke to you. Well, I felt like this episode was different from a lot of what we typically do, where it's um, like service providers or tips on how to do X, Y, Z in your business. And with Christy, she's using products to promote the business, but it's not just one thing. Like she built her whole business on, on, on her business, right? Like she used promotional items to grow her promotional items business. Right. And it was just really cool and different. Yeah. And, and I think you and I can both relate to that because I know that you've had things sort of prepared from a promotional item. Yeah. I remember you once sent me a toque. Mm -hmm. I've done the same thing. I've had mugs and, you know, I work out of a co-working space. So I've been able to see the power of, you know, putting the right mug in somebody's hands. Like it sounds like such an innocuous thing, but it actually is a fact. And I also, and here in Montreal, I have a friend who runs a company called the Roel Group and they do promotional items here and, and I'm printing hats up with him right now i have to go pick them up and and we were talking about it and he's like yeah nobody dislikes getting something for free yeah and uh, i remember early on i was printing logoed golf balls that i was giving to some clients of mine and they loved getting them they loved getting them and i thought it was great because inevitably those are going to end up in the woods and somebody's going to find them and it's going to have my logo on it so you never know what it could lead to a hundred percent and i think that's a good point of knowing your audience, right? Like, and you can personalize the swag to your audience or your specific client or customer exactly. or target. Exactly. And then if you're able to like figure out exactly what it is, that's going to speak to them and that's going to actually be used by them. Then I think you've, then you've won. hundred percent. So what is it that Christy uh, spoke about that resonated with you and, and uh, what are we going to see? Yeah, well, I think she explained how she grew her business using using swag or promotional items. And like I said, I'm just fascinated that, you know, by that you can use just promotional items to grow your business. Um, she doesn't have a storefront. She's 
I mean, she's online, but she's not like online in the sense that you and I are. Yep. And it was just really cool to get her strategy and to see how she did it. So that's what she's going to um, talk about in this clip. Awesome. You know, I, I decided early on that if I'm going to tell my clients that swag or promotional products is a great way to market their business, I should market my business that way. So we've never advertised. Um, I've never, you know, run radio ads or any other kind of print ads. Really what we do is we utilize, we utilize promo. So, you know, whether it's, um, you know, asking for referrals, whether it's running contests where we give away swag, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, we'll do a lot of outreach. We, our model's a little different to some of the, the promo companies you'll see that have the big storefronts where you can see them from the street and you'll walk up and walk in and order some t-shirts. We don't have that. Um, we don't really take walk-in traffic. Anyone who works with us, it's because either I reached out to them because I thought they were going to be a good fit for us, or they were referred to us by, by someone who was already a client. So, um, the, you know, giving away the swag, the promotional products has just worked, worked really well in reaching out to people to get a meeting with them um, and just rewarding clients for referrals and just for being great clients. Okay. So yeah. next up, we have what you said was your most fun episode. Right. That's right. So episode 14, we spoke to uh, somebody named Stephanie Goldman, who is a neighbor of mine and uh, the daughter of a couple that we're friends with here in Montreal. And uh, Steph is known as Kimmy Toys on Instagram and YouTube. And when we spoke to her, we spoke specifically to her about her TikTok. Uh, sorry, I said Instagram and YouTube. I meant TikTok and YouTube. And we spoke to her about her TikTok channel because at the time she was just shy of reaching 1 million followers on that channel mm. and was um, was like regularly going viral on TikTok. So she would get several million views on a handful of videos every now and then. So we talked to her about her process and we talked to her about, you know, her beliefs about what that um, network could do and what, what it was doing for her at the time. Mm -hmm. I know since she's evolved more to a YouTube strategy, uh, but the thing that was fun for me and, you know, wasn't necessarily the content, but it was her just infectious enthusiasm. You know, here we have a, a young 20s something university student who is like so well ahead in terms of maturity and thoughtfulness and, and understanding of what social media can be uh, that I was just blown away by her presence on the show. Mm -hmm. I was really impressed with her, um, her foresight. Like she was talking about eventually building a game and, and, and doing more right aside from just having the TikTok presence. And I remember as we were talking in my head, I'm thinking of all these like marketing kind of business moves that I would make if I was her. And as the conversation went on, she, she brought it up, like, She's already yeah. in the planning phases and she's already doing X, Y, Z. And I was just so impressed with her. Yeah. Yeah. And there was another portion of the conversation that I thought was really interesting because we specifically asked her about TikTok analytics and she was always seemed to be one step ahead of the algorithm mm -hmm. because she knew exactly what the impact of how she created her videos and how she pieced them together how that would imp impact her views and impact uh, her follower growth. Mm -hmm. And she always seemed to be 
like right on it all the time. And that was all because she really understood the importance of sort of the micro view of the analytics uh, that she was getting every time she published the video. Yeah, and I think that speaks to choosing a platform and like really going for it versus creating a video and putting it everywhere and hoping it does well everywhere, which isn't a bad strategy. <clears throat> it depends on what your goals are. But if you're going to rely on TikTok to, to you know, be be everything your for your strategy. business, yeah, your yeah. strategy, then you want to go all in on that one platform. And, and 100% she showed it so yeah 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 so in this clip stephanie talks about how she grew her following to almost a million people on in on tiktok and uh i just remember like she was just so so beyond her years i found yeah amazing well good over to stephanie yeah so yeah. how did you go from ten thousand followers to nine hundred and seventy-seven thousand followers yeah. Um, so I started during COVID. I was just really bored. I was actually really lost with my life. I didn't know what to do with my career whatsoever because I realized that moment I don't want to go in the film industry. So TikTok came along, started doing the toy video, started picking up some traction. Then I took a break for like a year or something like that. Just did videos here and there because I just wanted to focus on school. But after I was done like my certificate, for that whole summer, I just like posted a video or two videos every single day and um, things started to pick up and it was going viral, a lot of videos. And when you have a lot of traction on other videos, it brings more people to your page and that gives other videos more traction. And so it's kind of like a domino effect. Okay, so uh, two more to go, uh, Nikki. Yeah. So let's uh, let's finish off your list um with i i know a subject that is very near and dear to your heart yeah. i think this is also a uh a, a solo episode between the two of us well so that wouldn't make it solo but you get what i mean no mm -hmm. guest and um so let's talk about episode seven the importance of a diverse marketing strategy yeah so kind of contrary to what i just said about going all in on tiktok for most people you really want to have a, a broader presence right like if you're um, a, a business owner, you have a storefront or, you know, you're, you're selling things online. You really want to be seen in as many places as possible. And yeah. a lot of people, I think, pick one place and, and use that, but they don't go as hard in that one place as what, what Steph did, right? It's more of just a, the one place to post content, or you're only going to write blogs, for example, things like that. And I think with, the amount of touch points that you need to have with a customer these days before they buy the amount of ads and messaging that people are bombarded with be like in order to resonate people really have to be exposed to your services your product whatever it is so many times and the fastest way to to hit that number is to be present in a, a lot of places and i'll tell you like part of this is knowing your audience as well so I just moved a few months ago to a small town. I knew this was going to come up because I saw was your post. Perfect. Um, and not planned like this, whatever. Anyway, so when I moved here, one of the things I learned right away was that 
locals really want to work with local businesses. They're not interested in working with people in Vancouver or, you know, up north, whatever. And so I thought, how am I going to get to know more locals? So I got a booth at a local market here in Lavington uh, Tuesday evening. And let me tell like, it was the best time. I had so much fun just talking to people. I put together a giveaway. I got out. I got a couple like warm leads. I met a, like maybe 10 or so like business owners yeah. and everyone else was just, just locals who came to say hi. They told me about how great the local school is. They asked me if I've gone up like specific trails and things like that. So people were just really connecting and it was awesome. And it felt good to get into the community and into the audience. And I think that's part of diversifying your strategy. Like it doesn't even have to be all online tactics, right? Like look at your audience and, and maybe a booth at the local market is, is part of that. Yeah. And that's, that's what I was going to build on in terms of this episode, you know, diversity, you know, we're digital marketers for the most part, right? Mm -hmm. But diversity in your marketing approach, especially at a local level, should always include something more personal and offline, I, I believe, whether yeah. you, you know, whether it's outreach, whether it's speaking engagements, whether it's, uh, you know, going with, you know, your business card and just shaking hands with people at a local networking event or some kind of, you know, gathering of some sort. I, I truly believe in the power of that. If you're focused on growing your business in a local market, a hundred percent. Yeah. I had a great time. I got 40 different people who put their names down for giveaways that I was hosting and not everyone I talked to entered the draw. So in, in four hours, I had one-on-one -on -one conversations with let's say 50 to 60 people. Like right. you can't beat that. No, you can't. And if you're out there and you're presenting yourself as personable, warm and you know, somebody that, that people would want to work with, you don't know how many of those people will talk about you to somebody they do know who owns a business or mm -hmm. runs a store or, or, or. Exactly. One of the, so I gave, I had two giveaways. One was a business bundle with some business coaching and marketing coaching. And one lady that was putting her name into the draw for it, she said, well, I don't have a business, but I coach at this local sports team. So she put uh, her name in the draw for that to gift it to the, to the sports club. Mm. Um, so that's just an example of what you were just saying, where you never know who, who people know and what their connections are. Amazing. Amazing. So why don't we go to the clip? Yeah. So on this conversation, you had asked me, what do you do if your audience is only in one place? So this is my, my answer to that question. I think we forget that our audience, when we're talking about business owners, and especially in the B2B industry, business to business, we forget that our audience goes home at the end of the day. And they're also people, not just VPs or CEOs or business owners, whatever the case might be. So they might log into LinkedIn, for example, looking for business connections, but at the end of the day, they're probably going home and looking at Facebook or funny videos on TikTok, like you just said, like you're a lurker yeah, on TikTok, people. right? Yeah. yeah. So you, you are somebody's target audience and they might think I'm going to reach him on LinkedIn because he's a business owner, but you are on TikTok. You will see them exactly. there as well. Right. So exactly. I think exactly. that's a huge mistake that a lot of people make is that they forget that their audience is also 
like they're personal, real human beings at the end of the right. day, right? So right. I don't think an audience is ever only on one platform. All right. Okay. So this is our last one. Yes. But I think it's an important one for both of us. Correct. So I thought that this was our most constructive, most important lesson mm-hmm. in the year that we've been doing this. And I thank you so much for introducing me to Kirsten and her concepts. Uh, mm-hmm. So what I'm talking about is episode 47. So a very recent episode um, titled Having Difficult Conversations. And what was really cool about this episode is that A, uh, <clears throat> I really believed in Kirsten's philosophy about the role curiosity plays in, you know, being able to listen to somebody when they're when you're having a conversation, be able to react properly to mm-hmm. somebody. And uh, one of the things that really resonated with me is how she talked about when you're talking to somebody, you're often thinking about what it is that you want to say. So you're actually not listening because right. you want to show that you're just as smart as them or that you have a great point or, or, or but you're not focused on learning and absorbing. Mm-hmm. And I I know for me, that's, you know, very, very true. And, you know, a lot of what we talked about was in theory, very, very important, but also like something you need to be made aware of from time to time in your life, because having conversations is a skill that not a lot of people work on and having difficult conversations yeah. Is, is is something that most people have no clue how to do. So they either shy away from it or avoid them completely, which is the message that, you know, I wanted to take out from this episode the most. Yeah, hundred percent. Like we talked about, even for us, we're communicators. That's what we do for work. But communicating isn't necessarily the same thing as having a difficult conversation or a meaningful conversation. Yeah, a hundred percent. And there was another aspect to this, episode that I think made it just more real and more sticky for me, which was almost having somebody on our show who we were able to kind of have a therapy session with Mm -hmm. because you and I had a difficult conversation. At least from my perspective, it was a difficult conversation. I learned during this episode that maybe it wasn't as difficult for you as it was for me, Mm -hmm. but we went through that sort of as a use case Mm -hmm. uh, during the show so that Kirsten could give us her input on how we handled that and and uh, her her two cents on, you know, her her how she, you know, how she viewed the process that we had gone through before, during and after that conversation. Yeah. And you said a therapy session and during during the the episode, it felt for me very much like a therapy session. And I was afraid that we had maybe gone too far with our use case and diving too deep into it. But then once we'd published it, we got so many comments and messages from people saying that they loved it. And it was good to see that like the open and transparency and the honesty. And it, it was really interesting to hear because I thought we had potentially like lingered on that for too long and maybe would have turned people off, but it seemed like that was what people were looking for. Yeah, and there was another lesson in 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 there exactly what you said. There's another lesson in that uh, because I you know because the conversation was so meaty, we just let it go. 
there was another episode uh, prior where we actually split a longer episode into two episodes. Uh, but this one felt important enough to just kind of end naturally without having it split up in two. And there, we probably could have done that, but, you know, I didn't know how that was going to be received once we put it out there because it was long, but mm -hmm. I think people just felt that it was relevant and just interesting. And, you know, in, in one case, you know, we, we got, we got feedback from somebody who's been a fan of the show for a bit and who was a guest on our show. And then in another case, like I literally got a text on a Sunday afternoon from an old colleague of mine who I had no idea Mm -hmm. was you know interested or engaged in the show whatsoever to specifically tell me how great that episode was and that you know how well we're doing as a team and hosting this show so that felt really good yeah and validating I, I I agree like I said I was a little bit surprised not because I didn't see the value in it for us but I'm surprised that there was so much value in that portion of it for everyone else but kirsten is so well spoken like not only oh, is it an important message but she like delivery was on point oh unbelievable and and she she impressed me from another point of view also which was and it's probably because of what she does and her skill of having conversations was that she actually like felt more like part of the team than a guest Mm -hmm. in that she didn't speak over us. She didn't try to interrupt us. She allowed us to have breathing room and waited for her moment to comment on, which shows me that she truly believes and has practiced what she's preaching about mm -hmm. having difficult conversations or being involved. Yeah. You froze, there was there. you froze there for a second. Yeah. So did you. So I missed the last bit of what you said, but. So I, I said, to me, it was a, uh, an indication that she's very able to, you know, practice what she preaches when she's a part of a conversation or involved in a conversation. Yeah. hundred percent. It was, it was really great having her on for sure. hundred percent. So the clip that we want to highlight is, uh, you know, just about the importance of having these conversations in general and not shying away from having hard conversations, but taking the right approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we'll pull that up and like, we'll end with Kirsten. Yeah, perfect. When you are in any of these situations, for anybody listening, if something, if you do break up in a relationship personally or professionally, there's always that opportunity to reflect. You know, there's always that place of curiosity. Okay, what went well? What did I like? How do I want to do it differently? In those hard conversations, okay, so we've got to make some changes, but how can I support you in the future? What do you need? You know, um, how open are you to coming back and, you know, when the timing's right and we can try again? It really depends on whatever it is that you want, but it's like, you can keep those doors open. You can have relationships, just as you're saying, where you have professional moments where maybe certain work things come to an end, but that doesn't mean everything has to come to an end. Mm -hmm. You can yeah. still support each other. And that's what I'm hearing you guys say. You have a really great relationship and you're not avoiding those hard conversations. So I think, you know, I hope that listeners can take away the hard conversations are the most meaningful. Mm -hmm. They are I the ones that. that we always avoid. So this has been fun. That was so fun. 
Yeah, I think, you know, preparing for this episode and going through the last 52 episodes and kind of picking the ones is like was a great exercise to kind of remind, you know, remind me of the path that we've taken and the evolution of the show itself. Mm-hmm. But there's one thing I feel terrible about is that we've had so many guests, but we've only highlighted seven of them. Yeah. Right? So I don't want to, I'm not going to sit here and name them all, but I want to, you know, I want to give a special shout out to, you know, others who have participated, like Katerina from MetSpace here in Montreal, from Pascal Mapleson, who's a client of ours, mm-hmm. to Mark Edelstein and Brad Wise, and Cheryl Otto, and Debrilla Bronstein. You know, I can I can go on and on and on, but some of these earliest guests, like Phil Tremblay, and Megan Landley, and Aaron Cafferty, and Devin Thomas, and Josh, uh, and Josh from uh, Uberall, and uh, Neil Kaminsky and Enzo Palermo and Sasha Brandt and Julie, Julia McLaughlin and David and David McDonald. I don't know. Should I continue? There's so many. There's so, so many. many. So thank you, Peter and Deepa and Phil again and John Stroud and Valerie McTavish and Harold Simpkins and Jamie Gorn, my brother, and Don- Dominic Dennery and... I know this is getting tedious, but <laughs> I just I just feel like we should be highlighting all these people. Michelle Leach, Andrea Greenhouse, uh, Michelle Weber, who gave us a great two-parter. Um, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Um, <laughs> what else we got? Then we had a batch where we did we did in-persons and then Bev Spritzer and Kirsten Siggins and um, Steph Wharton again and, and Megan Landley again, like everybody for giving us our time. It's so special and so meaningful and we're very appreciative. Yeah. It's been, it's been a great year. Yeah, I don't know really what I was expecting been. when we started this, but um, I think my, no, I remember, I remember we talked about it for so long, mm-hmm. right? We talked about it for so long and then we just finally said, okay, we're not doing this independently. Let's do it together. Mm-hmm. And I think we've done a great job of holding each other accountable you know, we might have missed a week here or there, vacation, scheduling, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to have pumped out now 53 episodes, we started in June. Uh, I think our first episode was June of 2022. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just been so much fun. And to me, I'll say it again, the raison d'etre is, you know, every week, you and I get to speak marketing with somebody or just between the two of us mm-hmm. and have conversations that like, Maybe we're too busy and in the weeds to have otherwise. Yeah. And the topics, like there's no shortage of ideas either, which is a marketing and content lesson in itself. But even before we hopped on to record this episode, we were talking about ideas for what we're going to be doing in the coming weeks. And like, it's, there's so much that we can talk about and so many great people that we can still bring on and and talk to. So hundred percent. And, and, and some who I didn't mention, like Brian Tritt and your friend, Madonna, like, mm-hmm. thank you, everybody. We really, really appreciate you. Yeah. It's been wonderful. All right. So next week, another guest, another fun topic. Yes. And uh, we go from there. Amazing. Thanks for everything. Nikki. Thank you, Mark. It's been great. I appreciate doing this with you. You too. All right. Awesome. Thanks. To year two. Thanks.